It's my honor to welcome each and every one of you here this morning. The Center for Spiritual Living is a spiritual community that blesses all teachings and all spiritual teachers. We know that there is no wrong way to worship, whether it be facing the east, lighting a candle, burning incense, repeating a mantra, lighting a menorah, or offering prayer. We know that there are no wrong way to draw closer to spirit. We respect all the ways there are to draw closer to spirit, for even though there may seem to be great differences in the path, the destination is the same. Our vision is inspiring the recognition of spirit in all, and something wonderful is happening here in this beautiful spiritual community because of you and that you're here. If you're new to the center, we invite you to visit the welcome table at the back of the sanctuary after the service. There's someone there that can answer some questions about our community and our teachings, and there's a welcome package there for you as well. So we invite you to join, stand, and join us in song. times do I say I am loved? My mind is the garden I seed. I water and nurture and choose what I grow so as many times as I need. How many ways do I say I'm divine? How ways do I know there's nothing I wouldn't do for God nowhere that I wouldn't go I've spent a lifetime looking for God climbed every hill I could see well I've doubted myself and I've judged way too hard all the while God was in me I think about everything I've done and everything I've seen not love where I've been. Oh, something is stirring my deepest soul, awakening to the sun. I've learned to embrace this garment of light and receive the radiant one. I've spent a lifetime looking for God, climbed every hill I could see. Well, I've doubted myself and I've judged way too hard, all the while God was in me.
There's a few announcements this morning to remind everyone about some of the wonderful things that are happening. The first one is the voice lessons. This is being held July 4th from 10 a.m. to 6. It's a voice workshop to assist you in facing your fear of singing and discovering how the voice works, learning about the physical and the emotional blocks and unleashing creative expression. This is being facilitated by Anna Beaumont and Robin Walters, and there's some more information in your program this week with some more details. Please mark your calendars. Plan to attend. July 10th at 7 p.m. here at the Centre, Random Acts of Talent. This is featuring our fabulously talented teens and special guest singers all the way from Nashville, the Woodies. Our teen group is performing their talents, along with the Woody's group, to help support every teen's effort in getting to teen camp this summer in California. This is a wonderful opportunity to have a very enjoyable evening and to support our teens. You can get your tickets. They're $15 each at the events table after the service today. The first ever Canadian Circle of Love gathering is being held in the beautiful Kelowna at the University of BC in the Okanagan. That's from August 17th to 20th. This is an opportunity to experience brilliant speakers, experiential workshops, sacred and powerful music and connection. The wonderful Jack Fowler, who was our guest musician last weekend here at the center, will be performing and sharing his musical talent at this Circle of Love gathering. Registration information is available in your program or at the welcome table. The International Centers for Spiritual Living Summer Conference, New Thought, New World, is being held in San Diego, California, July 27th to 31st. Keynote speakers are Carolyn Miss and Byron Katie. There's some information in your program, and we have a video clip that we'd like to share with you this morning about this conference. I am so excited to be coming to the new place in San Diego, the sunny, beautiful San Diego, and we're going to blow the world away. Marie J.C., Mom on the Streets, Good News Reporter, bringing you the good news about New Thought, New World 2009 Summer Conference. I know a few little words that can mean so much. Give me power every day. 
every day. It's gonna be filled with hugging, cheering, <laughs> laughing, <laughs> singing, <laughs> and new thought ministers. So through the water I go. Adventure is what? When you say, I'm going to look at my challenge in front of me and not see it as misery, but see it as an oh boy. And we sometimes forget that the path that we're on is the path that is the right one for us at this time. And I put my head down. And I look up. And we get a moose. I'm going to San Diego. Who else is going? How could you not want to be around all these spiritual and wonderful people. I'm going for the speakers in particular because Byron Katie is one of the most powerful people I've ever studied under. And so as Carolyn Ness, I just can't wait. This is a place where one meets kindred spirits, people who share the same values and the same desire to make the world a better place. I'm in it. I'll be there. I hope to see you there too. Register today for the 2009 San Diego Summer Conference. I'm taking my van, and I'll see you there. Looks and sounds like a lot of fun, doesn't it? It is. Spirit, the International Centers for Spiritual Living does a wonderful job of our annual conferences, and it is an opportunity for you to have a wonderful experience. I'm going to turn it over to Robin. That's it. How to build the anticipation. So I am really thrilled to reintroduce one of my absolute favorite vocal students, Veronica. And as she comes up, I'm just going to say the fun thing about working with Veronica is she's already done a lot of the work on her voice and just has a lot of natural talent when it comes to her voice. And the fun has been in how to explore what we can do with that, and I, I wish I could take the credit, but I really can't, because our lessons more, are more about playing than they really are about a lot of teaching. And uh, you'll see when you hear her what a gorgeous, gorgeous voice she has. And the, the beautiful thing about that is just let it take you to that place where it wants to take you, of just enjoying feeling that in your heart and soul. So welcome, Veronica. Thank you. I just want to say happy Father's Day.
that you dream of dreams really do come true
wonderful talent we have here. Thank you, Veronica. Each week we have a team of practitioners in service available for support in affirmative prayer after service just out this door. And they will do prayer work for you this week if you place that Opportunity for You card that's in your program. Fill it in with a request and place it in the offering basket, and they'll pray for you this week. The team in service is Reverend Catherine Cardinal, Audrey May Caldwell, Sandra Gibbs, and Vita Crawford. A welcome Vita forward for us this morning's reading. It is my pleasure this morning to read to you from a book of poems called, I Heard God Laughing. He must have been talking also about you. It's by the Sufi poet Hafiz. And it's titled, If It Is Not Too Dark. Go for a walk if it is not too dark. Get some fresh air. Try to smile. Say something kind to a safe-looking stranger if one happens by. Always exercise your heart's knowing. You might as well attempt something real along this path. Take your spouse or lover into your arms the way you did when you first met. Let the tenderness pour from your eyes the way the sun gazes warmly on this earth. Play a game with some children. Extend yourself to a friend. Sing a few ribald songs to your pets and plants. Why not let them get drunk and wild? Let's toast every rung we've climbed on evolution's ladder. Whisper, I love you. I love you to the mad whole world. Let's stop reading about God. We will never understand him. Jump to your feet. Wave your fists, threaten and warn the whole universe that your heart can no longer live without real love. So now, please join me in a warm welcome for our speaker and the spiritual director of our community, the Center for Spiritual Living, as he speaks to us today on Receiving and Gratitude, Reverend Patrick Cameron. Thank you, Vita. Thank you, Brown. Good morning. Welcome. It's great to be here. You're just a delight. Boy, what an angel. Can she sing or what? Yeah. All right. Well, let's... Uh, good morning. Let's say a prayer together, sing a song. If you'd like to stand up with me and do this, I know many of you do. That's fabulous. Or stay seated. What I'd invite you to do, whether you stand or sit, is to just fully connect with this idea here. This is, this is a sacred and beautiful moment that we come together collectively, and it would not be the same if you were not here with us. And it is a prayer, truly, as this song says, that we extend the love that we represent into the world wherever it's needed. So I think it's important to be reminded of that, and I'd like to remind myself of that as well. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, 
There's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit is in this very room. In this very room, in this very room. So I invite you to know with me, there's one life, one power, one infinite divine intelligence in and through and as all of life. And so as we choose this idea, it chooses us. May we open ourselves in this moment to the vibration of the Most High, to the bliss that that represents. We stand in that. We live from that. And if we can do it in one second, we can do it 24-7. And so what I know in this moment is we are in the activity of putting down, releasing, letting go, and embracing that fullness of life in every way possible. Let us know for our brothers and sisters that are here with us this day, that are perhaps struggling in some way, large or small, that we know for them, as we know for ourselves, everything we need to move forward, to stand in the grace and the beauty of each moment is available to us. And as we move with that expectancy, for we get what we expect, not what we want, let us know that it is done for them as it is done for us, for there is no private good. For this I give thanks, and I invite you to say with me as we release this prayer in gratitude, and so it is. Let's be seated. So happy Father's Day to all the fathers. In the, and to any, anyone here who had a father, happy Father's Day as well. I think that covers just about everyone. But if it doesn't, I'm sure I'll hear about it in the reception line on your way out. Well, it's just, uh, it's always a delight to get together and, and have uh, this conversation with you. I, um, I just feel so blessed. I'm so grateful for the opportunity that this teaching has brought into my life and, and the teaching that continues to be alive in my life. It's such a powerful and wonderful uh, Experience. What do you think of our new podium? See, if I can, now I have to wear pants all the time. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I love this. It really, it's about eliminating distraction. If you've noticed the metamorphosis of our platform, it's really about simplifying and eliminating distraction. And I think that's a, a powerful spiritual practice because mentally we can get distracted over and over and over again and we obsess about ideas that don't serve us well. It's really about the elimination. Spiritual journey, the spiritual practice is really about the elimination, the putting down of these ideas that no longer serve us. So I want to talk to you a bit about that today because it's a, I'm, I'm in love with this book, The Trance of Scarcity. I know that we have sold it out about three times in our bookstore. It's a wonderful book. We have more coming. And uh, I re- just highly recommend this book. And today, as Vita mentioned in, in my introduction, we're talking about receiving and gratitude. And uh, Victoria Castle speaks about her dog, Ginger at the beginning of this chapter on receiving. It talks about how Ginger would find the ways to be able to, to shift its physical positioning to receive the sunlight. So if it was in the morning, she'd be in the front of the house. In the afternoon, she'd be in the back of the house. But she kept moving and shifting to just to receive. And she said the lesson that she learned from Ginger was to be permeable, accessible, and available. Permeable, accessible, and available. The other option is Control. Anybody here ever had any issues with control? Yeah, because we like to control. I think that we attract controllers. 
I really think that we love this idea. Meta- metaphysically, I can direct my life. I can, I can, I can call the shots. I can, I can demonstrate things. I can change my thinking, change my life. I mean, that's all really about, it's about control. And Margaret Wheatley, who's a wonderful thinker on the planet right now, has got a beautiful book on leadership. Margaret Wheatley said, the essential issue is not being in control, but being connected. See, if we're connected, then whatever shows up, we're in control. But it's not about micromanaging our lives. It's really about being open and available. To, and I, I just want to notice that Wayne Lee is leaving with his daughter. Now, he's a hypnotist, and I'm surprised he cannot hypnotize her and it'd be quiet back there. So, Wayne, so we can let Wayne know. I'm sure Nicole will tell him on the way out. But. See, all of us struggle at times, you know. And, and, and Ivy's got her own... Uh, she probably needs her diaper changed, actually, so I'll be quiet now. But if we develop the capacity to meet whatever life serves up, to truly connect with whatever it is, we uncover a mysterious secret, the power to let life expand and enrich us. So if we just develop the capacity to connect deeply with whatever is going on, it sounds so simple and yet it's so, such a challenge for us because there's so many distractions in our lives. But if we develop that capacity to stand connected to life, which is really what our, the core of our teaching is, then we, life, this power, this unseen power, has the opportunity to expand and enrich us. To receive, we must be alert, awake, and prepared to receive. Now, I have a ritual I want to talk to you a little bit about that has developed over the years, and it's not, it hasn't been intentional, but typically around 3 or 4 in the morning, almost every day, unless I've had 4 or 5 days in a row like this, and then I will sleep through the night, I wake up about 3 or 4 in the morning. And so this morning, I woke up and I told Laura about this, but I woke up at four and I went and I worked on my notes and I prepared because I, I like to do that and it's just a time where it seems very quiet and it's very clear for me. So I, I got up at four and I went through my notes and about 5.30 I went back to sleep. As I went back to sleep, I had these very vivid dreams. Actually, you could probably call them nightmares, but I'll call them dreams. And one was that I was here getting ready for service and someone said to me, we need, we need mouse traps." And I thought about this a bit since I told the story at the first service. And I mean, can there be anything more minutiae than mousetraps on a Sunday morning while you're getting ready for service? But anyway, I needed mousetraps. So I run down towards Walmart. Now, of course, in my dream, why would I drive when I can be there in three or four minutes? I must run. So as I take off running to get the mousetraps with my money in hand, all of a sudden the whole environment changes. And I'm no longer in Edmonton. I'm in some strange city. And I, I, I had to go to three or four locations for mousetraps. I finally found them. And on my way back, I could hear the announcements. I could hear the announcements being read, and I could hear everything going on, but I couldn't get here. I'm running, and I'm running up and down streets, and I think it's just around the corner. And then I'm worried. I'm in a panic. And I, said, I told Reverend Catherine, I said, you were really mad at me. Where were you? And I said, I couldn't get back. So, and it was, it was one of those dreams where it wasn't lucid that I knew I was dreaming. It was this idea that, you know, that it, it spoke to the, the anticipation and the... And the uh, and some of the anxiety about being showing up prepared, but I got distracted by the minutiae. And I thought, what an interesting dream. So I woke up and I went, Phew, I was dreaming. <sighs> Relief. And then I went back to sleep again. And then I had this dream that I'm giving a seminar. And before I, I finish the story about my, my second dream, there's a wonderful Greek story about um, Procrucius. And Procrucius was the son of Poseidon. And Procrucius used to hang out about 20 miles outside of uh, Elysius. And Elysius was the first seat of 
power and wisdom and sort of government in, in Greece. Now, uh, David Hawkins in his book, Power Versus Force, talks about the calibration of consciousness on the planet. And what it is is just muscle testing. If you've ever gone to a chiropractor, he muscle tests to see if you're strong. That which is true makes us strong. That which is weak weakens us. It's just a simple, simple thing, that, but our body knows. It speaks to the, in, the innate intelligence. And so what he's done is through muscle testing, he's done this calibration system of consciousness on the planet. Right now, he said in the West, we calibrate slightly above 200, collectively. Now, individually, you, you could calibrate much differently, but collectively, the, the cultural conditioning is about 200. He said the highest calibration ever in the Greek culture was, uh, was the highest calibration ever collectively was when the Greeks were at their, their height of thought and, and observation. And so the Greek mythology is very interesting because the same challenges that, that they identified centuries ago is still with us today. So Pro- Procrucius... Um, is about 20 miles out of Elysius on the hillside. And what he had was he had a metal bed. And so what he would do is he would tell people, hey, hey, come here, come here, come here, come here. I have the most incredible bed. You've got to lay down on this thing. It, you'll, it'll be the most incredible experience of your life. And so what he would do is the metal bed adjusted, but he didn't tell anybody that. So nobody ever fit the bed. But he'd lay people down. He'd call them, come on, come here, come here. You're going to love this. I got something for you. Come on, come here. And he'd bring them in. He'd lay them on the bed. And if they were too short... He'd start to stretch them, put them on the rack, and he'd stretch them out until they fit the bed. Now, if they were too long, he'd just amputate whatever was hanging. If the feet were hanging over, he'd just cut them off. (laughs) And so finally, this went on and on and on, and, you know, people are walking around on their kneecaps, and they're, they're, they're all stretched out, whatever it may be, as the mythology articulates. And finally, his half brother Theus shows up, and he figures it out, and he gets a hold of Procrucius, he lays him down on the bed. And he cuts his head off. And it was the end of the tyranny. It was the end of this idea. But the reason it's so interesting is a Procrucian bed is a wonderful metaphor. You'll hear the term in our culture. And what it speaks to is how we were raised, how we were conditioned as children. As we were raised, most of us, not everyone, because I, occasionally I'll have people step up and I'll say, I had the most wonderful parents. They were incredible. The most nurturing and loving and on and on and on. And I say, fantastic, thanks for sharing. So there are those, those people that have had that experience. For the most part, many of us were conditioned and, and, um, with the idea that we're not enough. Through criticism, through shame, through the idea that, you know, if you don't do this, you know, I'm going to be visiting you in prison one day. Have you ever said that to your kids? You know, one day, I've heard people that are close to me say, you know what, just go ahead and do it and I'll pay for the therapy years down the road. Don't worry. It's a, but just do what I'm telling you to do. Whatever it may be. But there's a lot of that in our culture. And so what's happened is there are three areas that we sort of fall into in terms of dealing with and, and, and assuring survival. Because really, as children, we want to survive. You've got children. You want to fit into the group. You need your next meal. You want shelter. You, want, you know, all those things, the affection, whatever it may be, whatever form it comes in. And so what happens is we, we can fall into three areas. One is we'll become, uh, we'll acquiesce. We will figure out how to fit in. How do we help people? How do we do things that are, are wanted and needed? How do we support others? And so we'll, our, our whole life will be about supporting others, fitting in, serving, serving the community, serving whatever the need is. We're serving, serving, serving. The problem with that is, is we don't t- spend time receiving. As, as, Margaret, as um, Victoria Castle talks about in this chapter, if we don't fill our cup up, if we're not fully receiving all the time in the circulation and the flow of life, we empty out. 
And then we're just then our efforts to serve become it becomes resentful. I've watched it over and over again in cult, in, especially in service community. So much of our what we do here is service, and I'm very mindful of people when when that's their propensity, but they're not filling themselves up. So the acquiescence is a very popular idea. The other popular other two popular ideas. The next one is rebellion. We rebel. Not doing this anymore. So for me, I, I mastered acquiescence, I figured out what's wanted and needed, and I, and I minimized the, the punitive punishment that went along with not being in alignment. I figured that out, or it took me a while. Finally got big enough, so my dad said, you know, I don't think I can hit you anymore. I said, I, don't, I think you're right, Dad. But it was a journey for me to figure that out at times. But, but my father was very physical, very, very physically um, punitive. Yeah, so the other part was rebellion. And so what happened for me at a certain point in time, I realized raised in a certain tradition, this isn't working for me. Man, I just can't live this life. I didn't want to continue that, that story that was going on. And so I broke that pattern. And I started to explore, I started to examine, and I, and I, I rebelled. And I think most of us have gone through that. If we put down a, um, a belief system of origin that was, was part of the legacy our families gave us, and we step into something that is a bit different, we've rebelled, in a sense. And so I very quietly moved into my own exploration and examination of theology and philosophy and religion and spiritual, spirituality brought me here. So anyway, back to my dream. So I'm having this dream, right? And I'm teaching, I'm instructing 500 women. There wasn't one guy there, go figure, metaphysical thing, but there weren't any men there, were all women. And I, I talked about the first two, and I couldn't for the life of me in my dream remember the third one. And I'm going through my book, and I can't find it. I haven't smoked in over 16 years. I'm chain-smoking cigarettes. I'm so nervous. I'm sweating bullets. And there's 500 women in my dream chanting, we want the third thing, we want the third thing. And finally, I woke up. I woke up, I went to the book, and I went, oh, yeah. So the third thing is we've got acquiescence, we've got rebellion. The other thing is withdrawal. We will withdraw. And you know that. You see people around you may have friends, but we start to go down our own path. We start to develop our own imaginary friends. We start to develop our own ways of being and doing and, and sort of. And, and, and we watch all those things come in the door. When I see a, re- a rebel come in the door, many times they'll look the book over, they'll, they'll listen to a few talks, and they'll go, yeah, this ain't it. And they're out the door because the propensity is that once you start rebelling and, you know, and you're not aware of that pattern, nothing, ever, nothing is, this isn't it, becomes sort of the, uh, the explanation. This isn't it, looked at that, this isn't it, I'm on to the next thing, I'm on to the next thing, I'm on to the next thing. And that's okay. Wherever we fall, whether the acquiescence, the rebellion, or the, or the withdrawal, but those are three areas that are very, very common and popular. And so what, what Victoria Castle is inviting us to do is she's inviting us to understand that it's not about the stuff in our lives. It is about the state. And it's about developing the capacity. See, what happens with, us, with religion is that I was raised in a very traditional teaching that told me that, that basically I wasn't enough. Pray a lot. Offer up the suffering for various people, various groups. Um, but basically on the pro, pro-Christian bed, I was being stretched. And the idea being that as much stretching was going to go on, I was never going to be stretched enough. I was never going to fit the bed. So then I found new thought. That new thought said, hey man, you are powerful beyond measure. You are wonderful. You are God in individualized form. And you can use affirmative prayer to direct your life. And all of a sudden, where I was too short in that bed, now I'm too long for the bed. My legs are sticking out. And there's part of me that's, that knows that not being good enough is not my truth. But there's also part of me that knows 
that me being master of time, space, and dimension doesn't feel real to me. That I truly, truly deserve, that I'm loved beyond measure. While I love those ideas, I feel like I'm still too long for the bed. And so, what I think is important and why I bring this up is the Procrucian story. The Greeks knew about this centuries ago. It is really about us owning our own true nature, our essential self. See, our, our, our essential self doesn't need stretching. And it doesn't need amputation. What it needs is just our recognition. So receiving is the depth of the inhale. Yes, thank you, I accept. Yes, thank you, I accept. Whatever it is, if we are able to be of real service to society, we must make ourselves available to be nourished, inspired, and sustained. This idea that we give and we give and we serve and we serve and we serve without the the capacity to, to be nourished and to be inspired and sustained, it's, it's not sustainable. It is not sustainable. And if we don't believe that we can have what we want, we unconsciously create lifestyles that assure we can't possibly be fulfilled. So what I'm telling you is that when I was told, when I came in the doors and told, you know what, you can have the life that you want. But deep down, I didn't believe that. I wanted to believe it. But deep down, I couldn't own it. There was no place for that idea to to be nurtured and grown. And so I had to engage in my own spiritual practice. It was very uncomfortable. The first affirmations I would do, I think, oh, this is... But I stuck with it because it was practice. It was re-educating myself. For all of us, we must get in touch with what satisfies us. What truly satisfies us? What brings us joy? Because the idea, if we come from the old paradigm of either we're too short or too long for the bed, then all we're trying to do is we're trying to earn, we're trying to fit ourselves into an idea. And you and I are far too more intricate and interesting and wonderful than trying to fit a certain size. It's really about what satisfies us. Because what satisfies us when we live from our essential self, when we connect with our true nature, the more often we do that, the more often we live in that bliss. See, if all we're looking for is relief... And I've watched this happen many times. People come in and go, oh my gosh. (sighs) Just a little piece. I'll never forget. I went to the Transcendental Meditation Center one time. And I'm sitting there with this guy. And I just, I I had a friend that I just adored and loved. And I wanted what he had. Because he was always, he seemed always peaceful and joyful and happy. I said, what are you doing, man? He said, well, I'm doing Transcendental Meditation. I said, oh, I want some of that. And I'm sitting there with this guy. And he's just sitting next to me. And he's just sweating bullets. And I said, how you doing? We talk, chatting a bit because we're ready to go in and we don't know what they're going to do to us and it seems all weird and strange, you know, this whole thing. And they told us to bring a couple pieces of fruit and I'm like, okay, we'll bring the fruit and do our thing. I, I'd, I'd have done anything at that time for, for some peace of mind. And I looked at the guy and he looked at me and he had a very thick accent, probably from one of the Slavic nations, you know, Ukraine somewhere. And he said, you know, a little piece of mind would be good, don't you think? And I said, yeah, a little piece of mind would be good because that's all we were looking for. We were looking for relief. And I got into that meditation practice and I found relief. It was like, great, I couldn't wait to meditate. I love meditating all the time, but I found the relief. But relief's only part of the journey. It's living in the bliss. See, bliss is possible. Bliss is, I'm for the bliss. I'm pulling for the bliss. I don't know about you guys. You can have relief, but that's just a a small portion of it. And it just keeps getting better and better. Because when we relax in the present moment, we stand in the cycle of abundance, the universe, this mysterious force, will expand us 
and allow us to experiences that, we, that are not possible when all we're looking for is relief. It's, the degree of our joy isn't a matter of how much money we have or time we have or stuff we have or privilege we have or fame that we have or love or freedom. It's simply, abundance is simply how we are with what we have. It's how we are with what we have. I have what I have in my life. And to look around and, and bless the things I do have. Bless the friends and bless the relationships. Bless the ability to sit here and listen to Veronica sing her songs. She's got the best giggle. I told her she should just do a CD with just her giggling on it. I would buy it. Give it to all my friends for Christmas. She's got the most infectious laugh. I just love it. But it, there she goes. We've got to mic you. You know that? Not, it's not what we have, but what we enjoy that constitutes abundance. It's not what we have, but what we enjoy. So to get in touch with what we truly, truly enjoy... Not, and, and, and so it requires us to shift this idea that I've got to, I've got to fill, fulfill somebody else's expectations of myself. That my mom and dad always did it this way. And I love my mom and dad. My dad was an amazing teacher. I never remember my father once, in my opinion, standing in the cycle of bliss. Maybe once in a while when he hit a good golf shot. Usually my, my dad would golf. And then all of us, there were three boys, we'd all go look for his ball for about 14, 15, 20 minutes. I, I'm sure there were lumberjacks in our family because we were always out in the timber playing golf, coming through. We needed a chainsaw, actually, to play golf well. But the point being is we, we get, we, it's an opportunity to gently and respectfully simply put those things down. It doesn't mean we have to make them bad and wrong. I mean, I think many times we feel like we've got to make them wrong so we can move into another experience. It's just simply acknowledging what is. If we're starting from acquiescence, if we're starting from rebellion, if we're starting from withdrawing, to realize there's more, that's, those, are the, those are the survival skills I use to move myself to this. But I don't, have to, I don't have to lay on the bed anymore and fit myself to a certain size. What, what, who and what I am, my true nature, my essential self is enough. It's absolutely enough. And to be able to breathe into that, I'm going to have Martin come up and sing a beautiful song here in a moment. In fact, you should be coming in the door any second. Wonderful story. This book is just chock full of great stories and illustrations. I love the story. She talks about her father. It's Father's Day. And she, her father was a successful military man. He worked very hard his whole life, career man, very successful. And so he used to say to him all the time, you got to go, go, go. Send it, yeah, Sandra, would you invite them to, to come on up? Anyway, you got to go and you got to grind it out and you got to be more and you got to improve yourself. Remember last week I talked about Joe Olstein and I was listening to him preach and he was just wearing me out. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing enough. I got to get going. I felt like I needed to run in place if nothing else, you know? And that's a, that's a popular idea. It's not working hard, it's working smart. It's working this teaching and understanding how we're hardwired. And, and, and the, the role models for most of us that we've been given, and the rare exceptions are, are here and I know that and I honor that and celebrate that, but the role models we've been given, it's not a good roadmap. My, my father was not a good roadmap for me. His inspiration in my life was I realized I can't parent like him. I can't live like this. That guy worked 90 to 100 hours every week. And, and it was all he knew how to do. He'd slow down. He didn't know how to slow down. He didn't know a blissful moment. So anyway, her father says, you got to go, go, go. He says, remember this towards the end of his life. He says, remember I told you that you had to work hard and never be satisfied? And that there's always room for improvement in everything? Well, forget it. Forget it. It doesn't matter. In the end, all that matters is giving and receiving love. And receiving is more important than giving. Receiving is more important than giving because if we don't show up full and on fire and inspired and resourced and supplied, 
We can't be of service to anybody. We're, our, our vocabulary is not matching up with our state of being. That's why it's so important to receive and receive. And it's not selfish to receive. It's Father's Day. I was thinking about my own experiences with Father's Day. See, we're hardwired to know this stuff. We're born with this. And then we, we step into the need for survival. My son, when he was four years old, I'm laying in bed one night, and he comes up and he puts his mouth about two inches from my ear, and he says, are you sleeping? <laughs> well, not anymore. What's up? And so he said, come on, come on. And so he said, we got to clear away. We got to clear a space because he had stuff everywhere. And, and going out the front door was, you know, his tricycle and his stuff. And so we had to move everything. And I said, you know, and I'm annoyed. I'm like, all right, we're gonna, when, when I'm moving things and moving things out of the way. And I said, now you're going back to bed. So I put him back to bed. And about three hours later, it was in January of 1994, the Northridge earthquake hit. This little guy just knew. I mean, I couldn't figure it out. I just thought, you know what, this gets him back to bed sooner? Because he wasn't going back to bed until we got that stuff moved. But we're all hardwired for this. But we, all of a sudden, we start discounting our, our intuitive knowing. So we cleared the way so we could get out of the house for that earthquake. And it's just a powerful reminder to me how we, we have these beautiful children that are going to come in and sing for Father's Day for us in a moment here. And we, because they want to belong to us, and perhaps we're modeling things for my father. I vowed to myself when I started having children, I will not parent like he parented. I couldn't. I just couldn't. And it wasn't because what he did was bad and wrong. It just, I knew there was a better way. I knew there was a different way. And so to be able to find this teaching and find mentors and teachers in my life that said, you know what? That's a very interesting idea and what you represent and the pain and whatever the suffering that has brought you in these doors. But there's a more interesting idea for you to, to latch on to. And so it's been, for me, it's been a, that, that shedding of those ideas and those stories. Victoria talks about that, our stories we carry forth. So I'm going to invite Martin to come in. He's going to bring the, the kids up. He has a wonderful song called Breathe. And I asked him when I saw him today, I said, would you come and sing Breathe for us today? So Martin, would you come on in and, and do that song? I think it speaks volumes to this idea of present moment, putting things down. And this young man is a musical genius that I very, feel very blessed to have with us. And here's our Cosmic Kids. So these children have a, a treat for you in a moment. They've been working hard to learn a new song, which I'm sure you're going to enjoy. They've done really well at it. And they're going to give this performance as a special gift for their fathers today. But first, here's a little song about letting it, letting it all go. Yes. 
beautiful beautiful song and it is breathing in the present moment you know it is such a powerful simple practice emptying me of everything I don't need it's really about we need an editor in our lives and we're the editor and we forget that sometimes and all of it has been right and perfect every bit of it to be grateful for to bring us to this awareness see what really this our teaching is about and I think the only way to live is that how, do, how does our soul show up not our personality, but how does my soul show up here? Because the soul doesn't care. The soul doesn't care about the stuff. The soul just simply cares about the, the, the bliss of the present moment. And it's paradoxical for how we live. And yet it's such a powerful, powerful idea. And I believe that is why we have incarnated. That's why we're here to support and love and nurture one another. It is the giving and receiving of love. And when we can give and receive love from that perspective, anything is possible. Anything. World peace is possible. Enough for everyone is possible. And I believe that is our opportunity and our challenge individually and collectively. And so my vow to you is to continue to do that work and to be the editor in my life that allows that to take shape. 
And I support you in that as well. I honor you. I bless you. And thank you for receiving and giving the love that you do. And I know the best is yet to come. So it is. Thank you, Martin. I'm going to invite uh, 
As our ushers come forward, today is our Teen Sunday, and a, a, a portion of each uh, Teen Sunday, our offering goes to our teens to get them to summer camp. We thank you for your continued support. Let's bless our gift this day. Let us give them that, that state of oneness, that state of understanding, our connection, our deep abiding connection with his eternal life force. Let us know that we continue to expand in our demonstration and revelation of that idea on this planet. Wherever there is suffering, we hold the high watch and know for those people that a bigger idea is simply waiting in the wings for them to accept and reveal. It's true for us. It's true for everyone. Let us know that this, our offering this day continues to expand our programs and to deepen our own spiritual connection and our own spiritual practice in a way that is beyond description. For this I give thanks, knowing that the universe is conspiring in every good way, every great way for each and every one of us. With that said, I give from that perspective of joy and expectation and celebration. With that said, I invite you to say with me, and so it is. My abundance today by giving this gift I show my faith as I open my heart my world becomes a better place I release all fear as I share gratefully this stuff that I give always gives back to me knowing my oneness with Invite the practitioners and our ministerial team to come and join me on the platform. All right. So let us once again make the declaration knowing that our word has power. And as we open ourselves in this moment to that divine vibration of the Most High, to stand in that cycle of abundance and to know that we are all blessed. The gratitude and the receiving that allows us to fill our cup so full we cannot help but share it wherever we go. And so I just give thanks to be reminded of this, to share these ideas, to stand in the conversation with you, to stand in the energetics of this vibration, to know that as I shift and find the things that I'm grateful for in my life in this moment, my entire being is open in a new and wonderful way. This universal force is an opportunity to expand and complete me in ways like never before. And so I give thanks. I give thanks for this knowing, this declaration. I know we move forward in that clarity, in that light, in that truth. 
and the courage to do whatever is before us to do that we know is appropriate in each moment. Putting down what no longer serves us and saying yes as we take that deep inhale of life. For this I give thanks and so much more. I release these words and invite you to say with me, and so it is. Let's sing. Please stand.